a good morning to you. Welcome to WKTY Outdoors. I'm Kevin Millard. Thank you very much for joining me this morning on the program. I want to let you know that uh, WKTY Outdoors is brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. And certainly want to welcome aboard to uh, Roscoe's Live Bait out in Toma. Thanks, uh, thanks, Don. We'll uh, we'll be getting him on the show here in the next uh, couple of weeks and chat about how uh, how the fishing conditions are like out in Toma and that part of the world. Some great fishing opportunities out there, boy. I tell you what, it's uh, some great opportunities. Some of those you fish some of those cranberry bogs and and uh, well, like Toma and. Out by the fort, some great trout fishing out there. I know they were just, uh, matter of fact, up at the TV station yesterday. We did a story. They were down at the uh, down at Genoa, down at the fish hatchery there, and watching them load up a batch of trout and take them out and stock some of the streams and things up at Fort McCoy. And oh man, those were nice looking fish. They really were. Um, so that's uh, that's certainly an option anyway. Matter of fact, I would almost say that that might be your best option for if you're headed out today um, or tomorrow, maybe for that matter as well. That might be your uh, might be your place to uh, to check out there as we talk a little bit about the uh, Powerhouse Marine Hotspot report here uh, on WKTY Outdoors. Uh, brought to you, of course, by the uh, the great folks over at Powerhouse Marine. And got boating needs? They will take care of you. And if you're looking to get out on the boat this weekend, uh, boy, just be careful. That's uh, that's going to be the main thing. Um, I think. Uh, well, let's see. I know the uh, down Stoddard, they've got that walleye tournament going on this weekend, and uh, be curious to see how that uh, how that all turns out. And you know, the fish. The thing is, and and was talking to the folks up at Fat Cat uh, Bait up in Trumple this morning, and you know, the fish are biting. Um, I mean, we're right in, like I said, you know, I've been saying the last couple of weeks, we're in that zone where, um, you know, at least like the walleye and, and, uh, well, the perch were biting anyway. It seems like they maybe backed off just a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they're done spawning or if it's just conditions. Um, that's going to be the, the big challenge this weekend, I think is, is just, uh, dealing with conditions. Um, you know, just. I think you're probably if if you're going to head out fishing this weekend, um, you know you'd be looking at some of those backwater areas offshore. Um, try to find some shallow water, um, such as it is. I'd be trying to, uh, um, you know, I'd maybe be thinking about heading down, you know, south of Lacrosse, some of those islands back in there, some of those shallow areas in there. Get back up in there out of the current. Um, cause that's what you're looking, you know, you're looking for places adjacent to, but not obviously in that, uh, in that current, which of course is, uh, really trucking along here. Um, let me see what we got here. Yeah. I- I'm looking at the, uh, current conditions and, uh, you know, it's just swift right now. I mean, you know, all you have to do, and if, if you know, all you have to do is just drive down and 
look out at uh, downtown here and look out at the river, and you can tell how fast it's moving. Um, up at, let's see here, 159 up in Winona, uh, Trempolo 159 as well, 165 at La Crescent, Genoa 168, 200 down in Lynxville. Um, and I never can remember the formula, to tra- what that translates into in terms of speed, you know, miles per hour. It's moving. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. It's it's moving, and there is a lot of water. So, and, you know, like I said, the water, but the water temperatures uh, low fifties, uh, pretty much across the board here. Uh, things are warming up. Um, maybe not quite so much today, but uh, you know, eventually here we're gonna get to uh, you know decent water conditions and. Water temperatures, but yeah, the water temperatures right now are good for like the walleyes and you know, the perch are doing uh, okay as well. But again, it's just those, you know, you're fighting those conditions. That's the hard spot. Hard thing to do is, uh, you know, hard to keep on them. You know? But again, like you said, you know, you're looking for, for current seams, current breaks, uh, not only for where the fish can hide out, but where you can uh, kind of camp out and, and stay on the, stay on the, uh, Stay in the zone there, you know. That's going to be the uh, that's going to be the big challenge. So yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what this Stoddard tournament will, uh, how that'll all play out in terms of, uh, you know, what kind of fish are caught. I don't know if there'll be any big goose eggs on the board or not, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge. Not only with, uh, you know, fortunately there are already going so they don't have to I don't think yeah I mean it doesn't look like we're going to get any kind of precipitation here for a while anyway so at least you got a few hours this morning where it's not going to be topside anyway it won't be too bad to be uh, out and about but but yeah you know it's just uh, it's you know a big safety is going to be the the thing in here and I and I know some folks that it's like you know and they're they're river people and it's like I wouldn't necessarily be out in this but you know if i guess if you you're, you know where you're going and you're not going to be in that that main current that main channel yeah just uh like i said just be careful if you're going to be you're heading out there so it's uh it's going to be a challenge so that's what i would say in terms of uh, the powerhouse marine hotspot report you know, check out those those places off the current, out of the current, the backwaters. Um, yeah, you're going to be dealing with high water, um, but um, you know, uh, you're going to find a lot more opportunities for a little more slack water, a little calmer water, and uh, um, I think you know, get in closer to shore. Some of that find find some of that shallow water. I th- you know, you you could be successful. So. I would give those uh, places, and I'm thinking, you know, places like down towards, you know, Goose Island and, and Stoddard and those those kinds of places uh, in there, or, um, you know, up kind of, you know, between Lacrosse and Onalaska in there, and some of those backwater areas up there, or even north of there, Lake Onalaska, those kinds of places where uh, where you've got some of that calmer water and and there are more of those, I think, current breaks and places that are going to uh, have that have those places where the fish are going to be hiding um, and, and just camping out and just kind of 
surviving, so to speak. So those are the kind of places that I would be uh, I would be checking out. Okay, uh, let's see here. I've got to uh, get trucking along here. I've got to get uh, my guest on today, uh, and uh, I'm going to have Eric Husebo on from Trophy Adventures Bear Bait up in Ettrick. And uh, we're going to be, Eric's going to be a regular contributor here to the program here. We're going to try and get him on uh, once a month. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, bear hunting and uh, a lot to do with that. And, you know, of course, we've had Eric on before. So uh, good opportunity. If, if you want to learn about, uh, about bear hunting, then, uh, you know, this, uh, well, this will be the program for you. So we'll, we'll cover some different topics uh, as, the, uh, as time goes on here. And so... Uh, I'm going to get uh, Eric on the phone here, and we'll uh, uh, continue with WKTY Outdoors in just a few moments on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Again, brought to you uh, by Powerhouse Marine, Roscoe's Live Bait. Thank you very much for sponsoring the show. Back in just a couple of moments on WKTY. As a kid, you loved going to Grandma and Grandpa's house. It meant limitless exploring outside, running through the fields, playing in the barn, or a hike through the woods. They had the land. You roamed free. Get that freedom again. Talk to Tony Ryerson from Coldwell Banker River Valley Realtors. Land for hunting, farming, or timber, whatever you're looking for, Tony can find it. Make the smart investment. Get the plot of land you've always wanted and can finally afford. Your inner kid thanks you. Contact Tony at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Wisconsin became a state in 1848. La Crosse became a city in 1856. That's a long time ago. Hey, Dad, how long have you been in business? We've been around a while, but not that long. The funeral home was started in 1948 by Ray Schumacher. Now it's run by your Uncle Steve and I, who took it over from your Grandpa Don. Hi, this is Scott Kish from Schumacher Kish, and times have changed, but one thing that never will, at Schumacher Kish, we'll be there when you need us the most. Hi, I'm Fred, the guy that named my business wrong. I'm Jacob Scott. I'm part of Fred's Break and Alignment on the north side of La Crosse. Now known as Unique Edge Auto Repair. My first meeting with Midwest Family Radio, somehow we came out with, why did I name my business wrong? I actually used to go to to Chuck's presentations and learn more and more about it. I did see Chuck Mepford, and that was sort of the convincing part that, hey, this has a place in my business. Consistency is what pays off, and you learn that through Chuck and and through working with Midwest. We went from a two-bay shop to, to now eight bays. The marketing has become a very important tool in my business. Our growth could not have happened without it. Unique Edge came about because of the growth of our two companies. Go see Chuck Mefford and allow Midwest Family Broadcasting to help you invest in your business for now and into the future. Midwest Family Entertainment. I'm Brittany Stiles, and I'm the manager of Midwest Family Entertainment. I love meeting with the brides and grooms who come in to talk about their wedding plans. Everyone is so unique and has their own ideas, and I just love that. We customize each wedding package to fit the needs of the couple. Different music and different games and announcements. We want to meet you and hear your story and find out more about what you've got planned for your special day and find out how we can fit into that and make it even more special for you. MidwestFamilyEntertainment.com Thank you. 
Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It is coming up on 821, and WKTY Outdoors is brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. Joining me on the phone right now is Eric Husebo from Trophy Adventures Bear Bait out in uh, Ettrick. And good morning, uh, good, <laughs> good morning, uh, Eric. Uh, no snow up there at the moment, I'm guessing. No, it's actually still pretty nice. Yeah, uh, it's... I'd like to believe it's not going to, but I think that may not be true either. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully it won't be too bad. Up uh, At least on the plus side, it's not going to stick around very long. That's the... Uh, no, it's just nice to be getting rid of the mess, and then it starts all over again. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So, hey, uh, we're here to uh, to talk a little bit about uh, about bear hunting and certainly about uh, Trophy Adventures uh, bear bait. And, uh, you, you know, there's just... Uh, Let's. Uh, I guess maybe to to kind of jump into it for people that uh, maybe haven't uh, uh, thought about bear hunting and, and thought a little bit about uh, what the, what the process is. Uh, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, let's kind of educate folks on what the process is, when the season is, and and how do people go about uh, getting their license, uh, getting their permits uh, for for bear hunting in the, in Wisconsin. Yeah, so it's not a real complicated thing. Um, usually there's an application process. The state is broke up into several different zones, and you kind of got to pick the area you'd like to hunt in. Now, certain areas take more preference points or more applications to get into than others. Mm-hmm. Um, right now the current season or this current zone structure is uh, zone C is kind of what we're in, which is everything south of Highway 64. Okay. So it's it's a better than probably half the state is considered zone C right now. That's a pretty easy zone to draw a tag. Uh, first-time applicant has probably a 70% chance of drawing. Okay. If you don't get it the first time, you'd get it the second time for sure. Okay. Now you go into the northern zones, and there's, there's zones up there taking it up to 12 years to, to draw a tag. They're a lot harder to get tags in. That season or that zone structure is being modified by the DNR. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that later, mm-hmm. what they're looking at proposing. But in 2021, that's looking to change a little bit from what it is now. So first is pick that zone, get your application. And usually applications are due by December 10th. Okay. You've got that application in. Um, they're available right now for the 2020 season. or the It'd be, I guess it would be 2020. But for next year's season, you can put in your preference points or your applications already. So. If you have intentions of doing that, it's not a bad time to get on it when everybody's got, you know, other things are hardly nothing on their mind other than turkeys. Mm-hmm. So once you got that application in, uh, if you draw a tag, they're going to send them out sometime usually in February is a pretty good guess. Let you kind of know that you got one coming so you can get prepared and start kind of planning your, your baiting. The baiting season would open up at uh, April 15th is okay. when it's legal to start baiting. Um, lots of people choose to start around that time, obviously, weather permitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people like to wait till May. Some people like to wait into June and July even. Uh, just kind of depends on the region you're in. Uh, for our particular area, in this driftless area, I just have found that the earlier you start, the easier it is to get them coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tried it both ways. We've started them in April and May, and then we've done it in June and July, and it's most certainly 
a lot tougher getting them coming when you start June, July. Just kind of, I think they're established on food sources, and right. you know, it's like they pick their favorite restaurant, and it's hard to get them away from that. <laughs> true, very true. I, I I I understand that, and and I'm guessing too. Yeah, they just get sort of conditioned to uh, going to that per, a particular spot anyway, and and yeah, you know, doing that early. And I, and I'm guessing, and, and forgive me for asking, but you know, when you can start baiting in April. How soon are they out of the the den from their hibernation at that point? Uh, weather dependent, mm-hmm. very weather dependent. I mean, there's years that uh, we've seen them out where they're just still out feeding in December, and it's just because we have a mild winter. And as long as there's a food source, if there's a food source where they can take in more calories than they exert, they're not going to hibernate, and they don't truly hibernate anyway, but they den up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, kind of the same in the spring. You know, if we get a real super early spring, a lot of times bears are driven out of their dens sooner than they want to by weather. Um, culverts, for example, they like culverts. Well, when the water starts flowing through a culvert, they mm. get up and they move. A lot of times they go right back to sleep for a while, but it's kind of like kind of like us, how we get woke up in the morning. Sometimes we just don't go back to sleep. Sure. They just kind of trudge around and basically start the spring process. And some years, you know, this year they didn't come out of the den until a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say first part of April... 15th of April, that's probably a good guess. That's about when a lot of these bears started really getting active. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, it's uh, it's very weather-dependent then. Totally understand yeah. that. Yep. So, okay, so then, uh, it, it, so we're, we're in the... Uh, we're we're in the baiting process now, and I guess one thing while you were talking earlier, too, was, you know, in this particular area, uh, what is... The percentage of you know is is the 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 black bear population growing, and if so, how much? And you know, uh, where where does the population stand? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's there is no shortage of bears, and I'm guessing anybody listening right now, or not anybody, but most people listening right now, have had an encounter with a bear, a trail cam picture of a bear, a friend that's seen a bear, shot a bear. They've become a very, very popular thing in the last 10 years in this area. Um, I think, personally, the, the recruitment of bears is very, very healthy. There's definitely no shortage of them. I've got one that's been coming in and, and grabbing bear bait out of my... i got a couple pallets of pails of frosting on the outside of the shed, and he comes in, he's been thinking he can just help himself at night. But that's <laughs> got to be a very common occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, We've had as many as 17 different bears on baits in this area. It's a very, very healthy population. And I think we've mentioned this in the past, but it's just something good to kind of create awareness for the listeners. But they've made it very easy to get the tag to hunt, which the hunt we never really covered was starting usually the first week of September. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, is getting a tag is not a hard, hard ordeal, but what is hard is trying to keep these bears on the baits up until the season starts. So natural food selection is always going to be the number one for them, and acorns are usually going to be their, their favorite. Um, milking corn is another thing that they really like, soft corn. So what happens a ton of times is we got all these bears on our bait, and a week before season we go from 15 bears down to seven bears, and then two days before we're down to three, and all of a sudden the season opens and we're down to zero baits or zero bears hitting baits, and what that's attributed to is all 
them eating natural food source, they didn't up and vacate the area. They're still around. They just kind of changed their diet. So trying to go with them is what I call it, and that is simply us feeding them what they're after, and that's some sort of a nut product for the protein and fat value. Okay. And, and yeah, I was looking on your uh, your, your website the, this morning here as, as well, and I and noticed that uh, um, you've certainly got, uh, you know, you've got, some of the things I would typically think about in terms of uh, products to you, you know, cereal, uh, candies, those kinds of things that, you know, those sweet things that you think about bears wanting to eat. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, it, you know, seeing like trail mix and mixed nuts and things like that, uh, those are the sorts of things that you're talking about, maybe switching, shifting over to that as, as you get a little later on into the year. Yeah, nutritionals. Well, uh, we've, I've got two different stages, I guess. I've got my own little names for them, but they coincide with what's happening. And right now, the time they come out of the den until probably about August 20th, I call it garbage mode. Garbage mode is they eat anything that tastes good and fills their belly. Mm-hmm. Biological clock goes off about that August 20, somewhere in there. And what that is is that's their biological clock saying, hey, Time for us to quit eating all this garbage. It's time for us to eat things that are very nutritiously, you know, uh, beneficial to us. Mm-hmm. High fats, high proteins. We need to pack on a fat reserve because the hibernation or the the den process is coming soon. So they definitely switch their diet. We've kind of learned to go with them. If we don't go with them, mm-hmm. go anyway, and we're going to be standing there saying, "Well, what could we have done?" Yep. We've succeeded a lot, and we've failed a lot. And through the failures, we've really, really put a lot of effort into trying to manage this where we can eliminate the failures as much as possible. Well, sure, yeah. It's just it's a learning process as well that uh, you know of figuring out what what they're what they're wanting and what they're needing, and 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 just you know getting kind of decide. It's like you know fishing for that matter. You know, you figure out what kind of bait that the fish want. They're not going to want one thing all the time, every time, it's, you know, so it's... That's exactly com- right. Completely understand that, so... Yeah. I so, just wish I fished more so I understood that better. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting that, uh, and, and, and certainly, uh, and, and I know you've, you've got a number of different uh, varieties and, and different products that, uh, that you sell uh, as well, but, and, and is that variety... You know, do they like that variety as well? I guess you know the you know maybe you feed them some. Uh, I, I see you've got chocolate covered strawberries and cranberries here, and you've got cereal and and uh, cookies and things like that. You know, I guess in this early part of the season, does that necessarily matter so much? Like, okay, they like cookies better than granola or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's definitely not nearly as as important this time of year. Uh, these bears right now, and we're just starting right on the tip of this. Uh, it's a transition period right now, too, where when they've come out of the den two, three weeks ago, there's nothing green for them in the forest. There's nothing hardly for them to eat. So they're really picking and really scrounging to get anything until this green up happens, which, you know, we've started here in the last uh, four, five, six days. We've started to green up with some buds mm-hmm. and some grasses and things like that that they'll really, really key on. So they're not that picky. Um, I will tell you that that's why I like to start baiting early. That's my biggest reason is I know if I can get these bears to a bait early on before they have a lot to choose from, 
they'll never forget that. They'll lock that in their GPS, and that bait will be a, a forever destination for, you know, hey, I'm hungry. I should go check this place. That had some good snacks in it. Yep. But they definitely are not real picky right now about what they're eating. Okay. All right. Um, well, it sounds like a lot of us, actually, but that's a whole other issue. So. It, it bears <laughs> In a lot of ways, if you think like a human, you're really, really close to what a bear is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, thing where if you feed, you know, if I say, hey, Kevin Millard, I want to give you T-bones and lobster tails for 45 days straight, you're going to love it the first five days. Mm-hmm. Day 45, you're going to beg for an Oscar Mayer, and yeah. they're no different. So changing it up a bit is a good idea. Mm-hmm. We're spoiled, you know, we're humans, so we're a little sure. more spoiled than the bears, but you can certainly get them sick of one thing if that's all they eat for three, four months. Mm-hmm. And and is that what you and, and that's uh, that's what you recommend to uh, the hunters when they when they come in and, and you know at this point in the season take yeah. a little of this a little of that and and you know a little yep. variety is is always a good thing. Yeah, we helped a friend yesterday put a bait out, get him going, and uh, kind of show him how we do it. And that's one of the things we just took three, four different products and gave him a variety of stuff, you know, and. Mixed it all together, and away you go. You know, we don't have to separate it. We don't have to feed it, you know, this portion of the plate is for the corn, and this part is for yeah. the mashed potatoes. We just put it together. Just, just put it in one bucket, and we're good to go. So, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, important to them. Mm-hmm. So, so, now, let, let's uh, uh, kind of shift gears just a, a little bit. And, again, uh, talking with uh, Eric Husbo from... Trophy Adventures Bear Bait up in Ettrick here on WKTY Outdoors this morning here, too. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, okay, so now uh, we're in the baiting season. Um, where exactly are you placing, um, where are, you, where are you, you setting up your, your baiting areas here in terms of where the, the bear den is located? Or dens, right. maybe, if, if you're, you're in a particular area. Yeah, so the bear den itself, and I kind of get what you're what you're alluding to. Right. As far as the den goes, I'm going to tell you right now, if we got, let's say, 3,000 bears in this area, mm-hmm. 2,997 of them, nobody's going to know where their den is at. So what we're, what we're doing is it's obviously good to be in a region or an area where you know you've got bears because if you don't have bears, obviously you right. have bears to hit a bait. But the power of a bear that we use against them and for them is their nose. So yesterday's events, for example, I like to look at a, uh, more than just getting a bear to hit a bait, let's look at three months, four months down the road when we go to hunt that bait. What I don't want to be doing is I don't want to be walking or riding my ATV or whatever I use to get to my bait station right past where that bear is going to be bedding. I don't want to go past him and blow him out as I'm on my way to feed him. Because, yeah, he'll go wait till dark and come back and hit my baits in the summer, but I need him to come back in the daylight when I'm hunting. So I worry a lot about that kind of setup, accessibility. Mm-hmm. I know that these bears that time of year, it's usually pretty hot, so they're looking for low-lying, swampy, cool, dense, thick forest or swamp or something like that. That's just where they're naturally going to be anyway. You're talking... 7 to 10 degrees cooler down in the bottom of a swampy valley is up on the hill. So I know I can kind of pinpoint that's where them bears are going to be, mm-hmm. as well as in the corn. That's a very common thing that time of year. They really like to be in the cornfields that time of year. So if I could pick my perfect setup, which we kind of found yesterday, and that was 
surrounded by corn. We had natural terrain features that do not allow that bear to come around and, and get our our common wind, I guess you'd say, our north-northwest wind that we would have that time of year commonly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually a physical barrier there that that bear could not get around. There was an already existing, what do you want to call it, a tower stand or a box blind mm-hmm. for that hunter to hunt out of. Um, it's all dense, thick forest all the way around it. It had the water, it had a little pond, it had a swamp, you know, it kind of had it all. And I sort of seen that and said, oh boy, this is where we want to be. So, you know, picking your location ahead of time and thinking, thinking the process all the way through from start to finish, instead of just saying, okay, that looks like an easy spot for me to put a bait in, I'm just going to put it there. Well, you do put it there, and it is easy for you. But the problem is you have to walk through or blow a bad wind right down into where that bear is probably going to be come time to hunt. Well, you did all this work for nothing. Mm-hmm. Get me wrong, the baiting is, is a lot of fun. It's probably 80% of the fun. But we don't do it to be unsuccessful most of the time. We do it to try to get to the end result and the end goal. So thinking ahead, you know, from start to finish is a big, big thing. Um, I welcome anybody, any time to give me a call, anybody that ever wants to talk about this stuff. I spend a lot of time with people. Um, this area is kind of noticed or notorious for being uh, rookie hunters, you know, rookie bear hunters. They haven't done it a lot, so they got a lot of questions. There's getting to be a lot of experienced bear hunters because it's been popular now for probably the last five to seven years. It's really caught on. So we're starting to get a lot more experienced guys in the area, but like I said, I have zero problem with somebody calling me and just asking a few questions. I, I welcome it. Well, and 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 that's uh, and that's certainly good to hear. And and uh, you know, I, I guess too, in terms of uh, you know, so there's a lot of things that go into the equation. And and, and the other thing too that that uh, I wanted to mention, it, it, it you're thinking about a place you know for baiting in April, but you also have to think you've got to think long-term down to September as well. When you, when the season actually rolls around, you've got to figure that into the equation as well, as opposed to just sort of, you're, you're thinking for tomorrow, next month, next couple of months, as opposed to just simply thinking for today. If That's right. You know, That's, you know we don't have our corn planted here yet. So right. if somebody looks at the landscape today and says, I, uh, boy, I sure see a long ways there. You know, I could really uh, cover that field. Well, don't forget, at that time of year, there's going to be eight-foot-tall cornfields standing around it. So things aren't going to look the same, and that's just things you got to kind of, you know, put in the front of your mind rather than letting go until it happens and then saying, oh, geez, I wish I wish I would have moved this, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, Eric, I've got to take a, a real quick break, and uh, um, we'll, uh, we'll continue the conversation in just a couple of moments here, but I've got to take about a, a short minute break, and uh, um, if you can stick around, that would be great. Um, so we'll uh, we'll continue the conversation in just a couple of moments. Got to take a break. Be back in just a couple of moments with more of WKTY Outdoors on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM.
city life. You're in the thick of it. Neighbors can be friendly, but you prefer them further away. You're looking for something more quiet, more relaxing, room to stretch out, absorbing the vibrant colors of all four seasons. Talk to Tony Ryerson from Coldwell Banker River Valley Realtors. Land for hunting, farming, or that perfect country home you imagine every time you hear your neighbors. Whatever you're looking for, Tony can seek it out. Get the plot of land you've always wanted and can finally afford. Contact Tony at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food, because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. Brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. It's 841, and joining me back on the phone here is Eric Husebo from Trophy Adventures Bear Bait up in Ettrick. And uh, talking about, uh, I, I guess, really getting things going here for the uh, early season and getting things prepared. Uh, one of the things that, that we haven't touched on, you mentioned earlier when we were chatting, uh, Eric, is uh, some of the, the rule changes and some of the things that uh, are, are going to be a little bit different in terms of uh, bear hunting here in Wisconsin. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What, uh, what, what is new that's coming down the road? Yeah, so we were in some meetings with the DNR here a couple weeks ago, and they do a 10-year, every 10 years they revisit the current structure and say, okay, you know, we need to, uh, this is working very well, let's keep this the way it is, let's uh, look at this and modify this because it's not fitting what our long-term goal or plan is. And some of the things that, none of this is 100% factual printed just yet, but it's, I would put my money on it that it's just about mm-hmm. that far, is we're looking at changing the structure in the, the zones that I spoke about earlier. So right now, everything south of Highway 64 in the state is considered Zone C. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest proposals and biggest changes that we're going to see is we're no longer going to be Zone C in this particular area. What we're going to be classified as is Zone F. Uh, the state's going to be broke up into... You've still got your zone A, northeast. You've got your zone B, and then you've got your zone D, more on the northwest side of the state. Mm-hmm. The zone C, which historically has been that south of 64, our west side of the state from oh, half of Dunn County, all of Pierce, Pepin, Buffalo, probably the west side of Black River Falls, that's all going to be all the way down into just about the southern tip of the state. So basically the west, let's say the west quarter of the state is going to be zone E. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have kind of the southeast side of the state's going to be zone F. Now zone C, the new zone C, is going to be basically dead smack center of the state. And what they're going to do there is zone C historically has been allowed dog training only. And when I say dog training... 
the hound hunters can train their dogs through the summer for about eight weeks, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. They've not been able to hunt the bears when the season opens for the kill season. They've only been able to train in Zone C. Well, this new Zone C, the proposal is going to be the dog hunters are allowed to train as well as hunt in that new zone. So there's going to be a few ramifications of that. Um, there's lots of support for it, and there's lots of opposition for it about, like, everything. Mm-hmm. The dog hunters love it. The private landowners hate it. You know, so it's kind of kind of a horse apiece. But that Zone C has a lot of public land in it. So that was kind of the designation why some of the borders and boundaries are the way they are. Uh, for example, by me here, there's hardly nothing for public land. It's pretty much, I would say, 98 99% private. Okay. That doesn't work out very well with a hound hunter because you got to go in and talk to, you'd have to talk to 200 landowners and get permission from all of them to potentially run bears with dogs over here in the, the Ettrick, Galesville, Holman on Alaska area because everything's small chunks of private land. Okay. Um, that's going to be one of the biggest changes I see. As far as I spoke earlier about Zone C being quite easy to get a tag or draw a tag. Mm-hmm. Allocations, I have a feeling, are probably going to change a bit, just because we're putting out we're putting dog hunters in an area that historically has never been able to do that. What that's done in the past is, is we've changed just kind of the philosophy or the mentality of a lot of these bigger bears. They've been baited, they've been chased with the dogs a little bit, and they've kind of got to the point where. They get a little bit wise, I guess you'd say, a little bit wise, a little bit skittish. And now what happens is the bait sitters come in and they try to hunt these bears in, you know, early September. And basically what's happening is is they're having a real hard time getting on them. So that's created some big old bears. Now, when these hound hunters come in, I think there's going to be there's going to be a lot of more than likely state records broke the first year. Uh, there's a lot of giant bears in them areas to be had that. Bait hunters have had a real hard time getting to them. I think the dog hunters are going to have a lot more success. And uh, there's going to be definitely some planning going on for 2021 for myself because I've been banking tags for or points for a fair while now. We usually have some other hunts going on that time of year, and we're bear hunting different states and mm-hmm. different places in Canada and everything else. So we've kind of not been short on bear hunts at all. I've been saving my points here for kind of this reason because I thought something would change in the future. That is going to take effect 2021. So, you know, there's going to be some, I don't want to say shakeups in the, the whole program, but it's definitely going to be some new things that we haven't seen before. Okay. All right. And, and, and you know, it's, it's obviously going to be, uh, well, any change is, is always going to <laughs> be interesting but uh yeah it it, is so correct me if i'm wrong that you can still bait in those areas where you can run you can run both dogs and and bait in those in in those areas yep okay all right yep it's just going to add a new element that there wasn't before and that is the hound hunters being allowed to go in and actually hunt during the open season Mm -hmm. okay and i'm i'm a big proponent of it Mm -hmm. i like it um like I said, I've talked to guys both ways. I talk to a lot of bear hunters that come in and get their bait, and I've seen it both ways. I've seen great opposition for it, and I've seen great support. Um, I've kind of learned, uh, I guess, when there's there's both ways in my business, 
it's not a good business model to take a side, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. And if I thought one was just completely wrong and one was completely right, I would probably pick a side. But I, like I said, I have a, I have a passion for both. I love them both. So mm-hmm. I kind of stand in the middle and referee the whole thing a little bit. Well, yeah, it's uh, and, and I'm sure yeah, there's you know passion on both sides for that uh, for that particular uh, on this particular particular issue here, and. Uh, I guess let's uh, to to maybe uh, let's kind of shift gears a, a little bit as well. Uh, one thing you mentioned too is that uh, this time, of, or well, uh, at least for the moment, anyway, you're seeing a lot of, uh, uh, I guess maybe newer hunters to the sport uh, of of bear hunting. How has it how has it changed and how has it grown uh, in the last you know five six seven years? Well. I mean, we just seen some statistics in this meeting that we had a few weeks ago, and I believe it was in the last, I want to say 10 or 12 years, the sport has grown 500%. So it's it's five times the number of bear hunters today in this area. Now, it's always been very popular up north. Mm -hmm. But in this particular area, we'll call it Zone C because that's what it is for now. Zone C hunting, especially in our communities here locally in the Driftless region, we've... uh, We've just exploded with people because 10 years ago, you know, people were, it was kind of a real big deal. Hey, I've seen a bear. Mm-hmm. Well, now <laughs> most people have seen a bear. You know, it's not an uncommon thing where people don't question you if you say, hey, I've seen a bear cross the road on Highway 53 between Galesville and Ettrick. People don't even blink at that because it happens quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Our numbers of bears have shot way up. Our numbers of hunters, like I said, have really, really went up. So, it's caught on. All it takes is just a few people to do it and start telling their friends, and their friends tell their friends, and it's all of a sudden it's, you know, like McDonald's has got free lunch today, and <laughs> has got to know, and pretty soon thousands of people know. Social media, obviously, that's, that's really a proponent of spreading the word with anything, good or bad. And certainly, too, you know, if, and 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 I've got your your website up here on the uh, here in the in the studio, and and certainly uh, looking at some of the photos that you've got posted on uh, your uh, trophyadventuresbait.com dot com website. Uh, man, those are just some uh, some impressive looking bears. Yeah, we've got a lot of them that aren't on there yet, and that's uh, something that's been on my agenda now for a while to get some more of these on there because we definitely have we have shots of massive massive bears ourselves mm-hmm. and we've got customers doing it pretty repetitiously this area definitely harbors some big big animals and 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 i think you know and, and you kind of wonder too if 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 people do realize you know just the 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 i guess the density is probably the best way to put it the density in terms of the the population of uh, of black bears in in the region well a good way that I like to equate that, because I get that question all the time, you know, mm-hmm. how many bears are there? And I like to equate it to this. Everybody knows we've got a pile of coyotes. Yep. How many do you actually see? Mm-hmm. If a bear made a sound like a coyote does, then you'd have an idea. But the thing is, they don't. So uh, if you looked at just what you visually see with a coyote, you'd think, okay, there's hardly any around because right. we just don't see them. Well listen to them at night and it sounds like there's 30 of them together all over in six different spots and you're thinking balls i got 100 coyotes live within a half of me well 100 is kind of extreme but with a bear it's sort of the same thing they just don't announce their presence like a coyote does so you know and i don't know that i've got a a good 
you know, number of bears per square mile. I can, I can definitely tell you some areas that are heavier concentrated than others. But overall, I mean, you'd be shocked. We've had certain areas right here, we've had one particular bait that we've had for quite a few years. We've had as many as 17 different bears hitting that bait. And that's, uh, that's a pretty extreme, but not unfathomable to, to have 10 different ones on any other bait. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, that that's that, that's something. And 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 too, just and we're going to touch on one last point here too. In, in terms of you know their range, uh, you know obviously having ten bears on a a, a bait site or seventeen even for that matter. Uh, obviously, they've got to be coming in. You know, they're not all in one spot. You know, they're not all staying in one spot. They're coming in from here and there and every you know other places so you know in terms of a range for for where where you you're wanting to to set up a a a bait site you know how far are you pulling in those bears from well i you know there's kind of two phases of that too it's a double-headed coin there um we hit that breeding season that spring breeding season which typically is going to run i would guess probably the second to third week in may till the first second week in june that time of year, boy, you can catch bears coming from uh, 50, 60, 70 miles away. They'll travel through, and the boars, they really, really roam during the rut. So your range of attraction there is a big, you know, it's a huge, huge area. Now, if we kind of get past that and we just call it the, the July and August and early September, I would guess through proper baiting techniques, scent is the biggest thing, and you're trying to draw these bears from as far as you can. I would not be uncomfortable saying I can pull a bear from 10 miles away. Okay. We get that wind right with a good, powerful attraction scent. Um, if we can get the wind to his nose, he'll find it. Okay. Now, the trick is, is who's in between me and him that's doing a good job with their baits? Because if he hits that in the middle, well, what do I need to go another six miles for when I got everything right here? Mm-hmm. Sure. Got water, cover, uh, ladies, whatever he's after. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and I mean, you know, if you think about it too, ten miles, you know, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty healthy range, you know. That yeah, you're pulling it is. In, you know, uh, it's their, you know, it's their biggest defense mechanism, and it's their biggest downfall. Also, mm-hmm. and what people don't realize a lot of times about a black bear is that is by far the best nose in North America, and right. I always equate it to a bloodhound. So a bloodhound. A lot of people are familiar with what a bloodhound's nose is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. A bear is eight times better than a bloodhound. Yeah. So it's unfathomable what they can smell. It, yeah, that's uh, that's 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 true. Uh, that uh, they, uh, you know, they can pull a scent from, like you said, ten miles away easily. And uh, I mean, that's just uh, that's incredible. That's one of the things I didn't really realize until you know we started chatting about this. Is that you know their ability to uh, cover a territory and and find that you know I guess needle in a haystack if you will to a certain extent you know to uh, to find those food sources that's uh, that's incredible. Yeah, it is. It is, and there's a lot of facts and there's a lot of things out there a guy can read on this stuff if you start digging into it. And it's quite interesting. You oh. know, people think of a bear as kind of just a a lazy roly poly pig. Well, they're they're highly highly intelligent for one. Mm-hmm. They don't always act like it. Sometimes they act like they have no sense whatsoever. But overall, they're, they don't look anything like a human, but I, I've often wondered if they ain't smarter than a human sometimes. 
true. Well, Eric, I got to wrap this uh, wrap this up here real quick. Uh, again, if people want uh, information uh, about uh, your baits, the hunting, uh, what's the best way they, that uh, that they can do that? So I got a plethora of different ways of getting a hold of me. I'm going to throw you a couple phone numbers. I'll give you a website address. I'll give you an email address. So 608-525-2868 is one contact. 715-896-0820. Uh, email trophyadventures at hotmail.com. And the website is trophyadventuresbait. And like I said, anybody that has questions or wants a pointer or two or just wants to talk hunting, feel free. That, uh, that, uh, that sounds good. Well, Eric, I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you taking the time this Saturday morning. And, uh, uh, like I was saying a little earlier in the show here, trying to make this, we'll make this, a a, a regular, uh, sort of a regular feature here on the program. And, and I certainly appreciate you, uh, coming on to talk about, uh, bear hunting and all the, uh, all the different aspects that, uh, that are involved in the hunt. So. Anything. I really appreciate the opportunity, Kevin. Well, thank you very much, and uh, you have a uh, you have a great day, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Happy shoveling. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. We'll talk to you later. That is uh, Eric Husbo from Trophy Adventures Bait up in Ettrick. And take a break. Be back to wrap up WKTY Outdoors in just a moment on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Where are you going? I'm going to Roscoe's. I need new tackle, and he has the best live bait as well. Well, are you going to take me with you? I was hoping so. You know, I'm not a good listener, and Roscoe knows fish. He'll tell us what's biting on what. Aw, so you do listen to me once in a while. I told you, everybody goes to Roscoe's. You know that. The moral of the story is, well, wives are usually right. And Roscoe's live bait in Toma is your fishing knowledge destination. Roscoe's is where everyone goes. You've heard the stories of the hot spots where the fish are biting, and you're thinking, can my old boat and motor get me there? Here's a solution for that. A new Bennington pontoon that's powered by a new Yamaha four-stroke outboard, available at Powerhouse Marine. Not only will this provide you with a way to get you to the hot spot, but you can also enjoy the day on the river with your family doing some great sightseeing. Or if you're more a fishing boat kind of guy, how about a new low fishing boat with a Yamaha outboard? A new low boat is great for not only fishing but also pulling water skiers. Nobody knows boats and pontoons in this area like the guys at Powerhouse Marine. Plus, to help you find your own hot spots, check the different Hummingbird Helix fish finders also available. Maybe you just need a new trolling motor. Powerhouse Marine has a great selection of new Minn Kota trolling motors. So whether you're looking for a new pontoon like a Bennington or a new low fishing skiing boat, check with Powerhouse Marine and get to your hot spot. Okay, we got to wrap things up for this Saturday. Boy, that was a uh, fast program. Thanks again to uh, Eric Husebo from Trophy Adventures Bait. And certainly thanks to Powerhouse Marine and Roscoe's Live Bait out in Toma for sponsoring. And, and Tony Ryerson, of course, too, from uh, uh, TonyRyerson.CBRiverValley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. Thanks, Tony. Hey, i got to wrap things up. We will see you next Saturday on WKTY Outdoors. It's now 9 o'clock. WKTY Lacrosse. 96.7 FM, 580 AM.